the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Today's guest is Mike Weber. Mike is a PA, retired from orthopedics, and his own private practice. Mike lives in Alaska, and I wanted to have him on today to discuss retirement, private practice, and some of his life's journey. He had a long career. I mean, what, what advice would you have? What do you like and, and what do you not like? I mean, what, what got your socks on your feet, got you out the door in the morning, and what made you want to just stay in bed? <laughs> you know, there were only eight PAs when I graduated, so it was kind of like the medical community or the doctors anyway in orthopedics really didn't know much about PAs or what they could do. Well, through my spy network, I found out that this guy uh, really hated paperwork. And so what I did as a student, I approached him. We worked out a deal where I would come in every Thursday afternoon, do all of his inpatient uh, surgeries for next week. And then uh, ultimately, the guy just found out that you know, I could really do a lot of stuff for him. So he hired me and we worked together for uh, nine years, then he retired. And so then I bounced around and I think I worked for like five other guys and there was no conflict, but it just, everybody kept retiring on me. So one day I looked into uh, opening my own business and I dealt with uh, uh, Ron Nelson from uh, Michigan because he was working on remote clinics at the time. and. Uh, found out that as a physician assistant, you cannot bill uh, independently. So like if I sent out a bill as Mike Weber PA, that's in violation of federal law. But a physician assistant can bill under hospital, clinic, doctor, or a corporation. So I incorporated myself into a little business called orthopedic triage. I, I hooked up with uh, uh, this one orthopedic surgeon. He was willing to be my collaborative physician. And interestingly, some other guys had deals like that here in the state, but the doctors were charging them really a lot of money on a quarterly basis. But this guy, because I referred to him, didn't charge me. And so it really worked out sweet. And of course, then having the collaborative plan with a physician, uh, it covered me on, on the state level. So, you know, it was one of those things that just happened and it happened to work out very good. You know, I've been asked by some people how to do it and you know the trouble there is you have to know your state laws you need to contact somebody at, at AAPA and understand the federal uh, ramifications and become a member of the academy because much like as we know with PAOS it's a goldmine of information and so that you know I mean as Sam knows I've been a member of PAOS now I don't know, probably 27 years. And I think the only reason I didn't go to the first two meetings is that I didn't know about them uh, until I got a, you know, one of these letters in the mail one day inviting me. And I, I really look back on that time as being very important, not only from the fact of the camaraderie, but, you know, to get that kind of information, uh, it, it's really important. And I hope people would learn from that or from this podcast that, you know, if they're listening in, debating whether to join or not, is that uh, a benefit, but it's also a great resource to help a person understand 
the ins and the outs. You had a long career, Mike, and I appreciate the plug there for PAOS. I agree with Mike 100%. Um, join and be a member of the Academy PAOS. I think that's a good thing to do. When I Even when I retired, I have a little microbrewery down in my uh, uh, workshop, and uh, the boys were over one night, and we were smoking cigars, drinking beer, and someone said to me, hey, when are you going to retire? And I said, you know, I think around 62, I'll hang it up. And he said, well, I don't, I hate to break it to you, but aren't you 64? And 30 days later, the letter went out, and I retired. <laughs> you know, it was like, it really shocked me, but I loved going to work. I have to admit it, is that, um, and that was one of the problems with retirement then, is that I was totally lost. In Fairbanks here, there's only like 96,000 people. And I had over 4,000 active charts. So, you know, I had a big population. My goal as a physician assistant in a non-surgical uh, practice was to keep people away from doctors. And it did, wasn't anything nasty. But that's what my business flourished on, is that uh, utilizing uh, handouts and taking time with patients, uh, you know, just explaining things and, and, and showing your care. And it, the personal quality, again, of just hey, pay attention to the patient. And um, so that was part of the hard part of retiring is that I felt that I was really needed in the community. And what had happened is uh, for 18 months, I was a complete jackass. I mean, why my wife didn't either kill me or divorce me, I'll never know. If you know Mary, what he's saying is very true. Yeah, so that one day when I was sitting out on the yard doing some work or something, all of a sudden, I realized that I wasn't so important to the patients as the fact that they were important feeding my ego. And once I let that go, man, it was like a, like I'd had a heart attack and just survived. It just it, it, it gave me that opportunity or that moment to say, it's okay. Let it go. You're done. And uh, it's funny because now six years after retirement, I still have people coming up to me saying, you dirty SOB, I need you now. Why did you retire? You know, and, it's, and it makes me almost sometimes want to leave Fairbanks because uh, Mary won't go in a store with me anymore uh, because everybody stops us in chit-chats. And, and, of course, me being a social butterfly, hell, I can't walk past an old friend and not say hello and, you know, shoot the breeze. So a quick trip to town turns into a couple hours. <laughs> and, uh, but... You know, and I think that's one of the things, like I know, you know, we talked earlier about um, what to watch out for or, you know, the, the pitfalls of retirement. And to me, that was one of the major things is, yes, I have uh, hobbies. I have a little cabin on a river I can go to. But it's so different when one day you wake up and you say, you know what, I'm done. I don't have anything to do with, with medicine anymore. And uh, it really hurt. And then I, I kept my license for a while thinking, well, maybe I'll go do locum tenums. And then one day I sat down and I said, okay, Weber, you're now 67 years old. You hate electronic records. You've never worked in a clinic setting. I wouldn't hire me, you know? And so then I just shredded everything. I, uh, you know, and finally when my DEA license came through and it went through the grinder, it was like, okay, you're done now, pal. <laughs> you know, whether you want to or not, you are unemployed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the retirement thing is is interesting because it is such a, a a final chapter in some ways. I mean, it opens open new doors for all sorts of exciting things, but as far as uh, your work, it's over. 
And of course, now that all my licenses are shredded and stuff, I don't miss it, but I do. And, and I really do miss work. Uh, I just, I had way too much fun uh, being a physician assistant. What advice would you have for people that are, you know, close to retirement or thinking about it? I know when you're, you know, coming out guns blazing right out of school, you're thinking about, you know, my house, my car, what have you. But at some point, a lot of us get there. So what would you say? I mean, how do you transition and what kinds of things do you need to think about? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because when I incorporated, we sat down with an accountant and started looking at planning, even though, you know, we, like you said, we're right out of the blocks, basically. I mean, even though I'd been a PA, what, 12, 12 years or 13 years, when you you do a business, you know, that's one of the things they never taught us in school. So that was a real learning curve. But uh, what we did is uh, set up a, a, a simple IRA account right away and just started contributing to that. And then as time wore on, any retirement, it was for Mary and I, it worked out just beautifully because um, we just realized that a long time ago that you need to think about stuff like that. And it was kind of funny because as I was cleaning out my drawers, uh, not my personal drawers, my files, <laughs> uh, I found a paper that I wrote in 1972 when I was in college, my second tour. And I, by God, I was a socialist. It was like I said we should do military requirements, and then after that, uh, uh, you know, get get benefits from then until like 35 or so because of the fact that as a young person, you know, you want a house, you want a family, you you, you want, 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 and you don't have any money. And so I laughed about that, and then I burned the paper. I didn't want anybody to find that. And uh, <laughs> You know, and, but it was a lesson to find that because it, it again, made you look at, at uh, the fact that work and life are terminal. And if you plan appropriately, you can have a lot of fun. And that's where we're at um, because we did good planning and uh, things like that. You know, the kids grew up and all three of our children are educated and working and, uh, you know, and so the planning thing has to be early in life. You can't wait. You know, if I, if I had to talk to a group of people, I would definitely focus on that, that, you know, find time to put that little bit of money away now. And in these times, it's even more important, I think, than when we were younger. Uh, very wise you know, words. I, I totally agree. Very wise words. If you had it to do over again, what would you do differently? And what would you keep the same? You know, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And, and if I did, I would hope I have the knowledge now, you know, and it's all that edge that, you know, wasting uh, on, on age, you know, and it hurts that you look back on your life and say, wow, you know, if I'd only known this back then, I could have done something different. Not, not, because I mean, I was successful. So I'm very happy with what happened in my life as a physician assistant. And you know, being here in Fairbanks was just a gold mine for us as far as uh, good people. And uh, so I don't think I have any drawbacks. You know, and I know, Sammy, you'd asked me in that little uh, preamble of uh, what I didn't like. And, and what happened later on in my career is it was all the BS with the paperwork. You know, it was interesting that as a PA, it was an expensive uh, risk to open an office 
And I know I had to spend uh, a fair amount of money each month uh, or see X amount of patients because of the fact that, um, y- you know, it just you're not like a surgeon. I mean, I'd go and do surgical assisting, but, you know, you look across the table, this guy is pulling down a lot of money. And so he, you know, doing surgery six days a month, you know, he covered his overhead really good, whereas as a PA, I had to really hump it to uh, uh, see enough people to produce revenue to get you through that month. And so that would be the one thing that I'd, I'd make sure that you got, you got your, your T's crossed and I's dotted. And the one thing, I mean, some of the doctors that I know if you were saying, oh, you're a fool, you know, you're never going to make it. Uh, it'd take you two to three years to get established. Well, the one benefit I had was the doctors that I worked for were all good guys. And, uh, you know, so I was pretty well known in town. So it wasn't like I had to go and reinvent the wheel. You know, there were days that uh, it kind of got scary because, well, for example, the first time I took a vacation, I came back and the books didn't look good. And I said, Jesus, did you guys, oh, wait, I'm the only breadwinner here. You know, and it was like, you know, so I was afraid to take time off there for a while. But after a while, you know, it worked out. And it was perseverance with just following the state rules and the federal law so that any time you got in any kind of ballywick, you could just say, hey, here's what I based it on. And so I became uh, kind of a political savvy character. And in a way, it was challenging. But toward the end of the practice, it got frustrating because you had to always sit on the phone more and more and more. And you're saying, you know, this is productive time when I should be seeing patients earning income to pay the bills. And I think that was one of the things that not only the fact that I was 64, but it was just, it got to the point where, you know, you'd come in after taking a day off or like every Monday we did surgery. So I go in Tuesdays, I'd have a stack of charts for med refills, insurance problems, you know, and so you'd, you'd find yourself going in early or staying late, which it's understandable. I mean, medicine is not a nine to five uh, profession. But, you know, that's where I would come from if I was giving talks on this. Right. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for being on today. We really appreciate your time. Listeners, Mike Weber, PAC Emeritus from the PAOS. Mike, thanks for being on today. Sam, thank you so much. Thank you for joining the Ortho PAC podcast. Join us for our 21st annual meeting in Nashville, Tennessee, PAOS in the Music City. September the 6th to September the 10th, 2021 at the Omni Nashville Hotel. Check paos.org for details.